0: Dumelang Avusheni and Hello Hi Umzanzi. Noli Tandung here and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a no holds spot podcast that is proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. Remember, my only job is to walk on your health journey alongside you as you seek the answers to those weird lumps and pussy bumps you are too scared to speak about in public. This podcast is a safe space. Mzanzi, sex is a natural thing that almost every adult engages in. And while it's an important function for our society, I mean after all it is how babies are made, women don't get the same attention when it comes to fixing our problems. On this episode, we are joined by my favorite Centurion fertility specialist, obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Linisile Diale who sheds light on all your vag woes from self-care to sexual health this week. Dr. Q, I think the first time I actually interacted with you, I did a story on what is considered a normal smell for a vagina. On your Instagram, you also speak very openly about this topic. When should you be worried about the smell of your vagina and
1: what you can do if you think it smells funny? Yeah, so women need to know... Firstly, they say, what is the normal smell of a vagina? So a vagina can not smell at all or have its natural smell, which we call a musky smell. But it's not a smell that you stand and you pick up yourself. You can inhale your vagina odor or something like that. So it's musky and very light, if anything, if any smell at all. So the moment you find that you have a fishy smell, Or you've got, you know, other women will be like, yo, it's like dead meat inside there. Or you feel that other people are able to pick up the scent. And once it's a strong smell, that's when we need to actually be concerned about the smell of the vagina. So we discuss it in different ways. And then when we say it's a fishy smell, that's usually associated with what we call bacterial vaginosis, which is BV. BV is not a sexually transmitted infection, so we should not be scared. It basically means that the pH of the vagina is destabilized. The vaginal pH should be acidic. So once the acidic nature of the vagina is disturbed, then certain bacteria start overgrowing and then they start bringing about this stench. We have treatment for it. There's a certain antibiotic that we give about a five-day course if it's a vaginal cream or a seven-day course if it's treatment. And then you are able to actually fight it off and re-stabilize your vaginal pH. You know, I wish I could say, look, you can use a potato and put it in your vagina. When you wake up the next day, you'll be fine. I know women like home remedies and they like easy things that will keep them in the house and not having somebody look up there or touch or examine. I wish I could say that, but unfortunately, all these other things are not medically tested. You can see I'm talking about pH, the vaginal pH. So we do need things that are scientifically backed up that are safe for you. So don't go on putting yogurts so that your vagina is acidic, so that the fishy smell can go and you smell like roses or sweets or pineapple. So it's very important that we don't do that. Other things that can affect the vaginal pH and cause other infections, especially thrush. Thrush is a serious irritant. Guys, I'm a woman. I know how it feels. You'll be in public and you'll end up dancing and because you want to scratch and you can't take your hand down there. It's really bad. And thrush is also not a sexually transmitted infection. It also has to do with the pH imbalance in the vaginal area. It can be initiated by simple things like being on antibiotics for a flu or you have an infection elsewhere, like a boil, and you go on antibiotics. So girls, whenever you go on antibiotics, just ask, is this safe for my vagina? Or just say, can I please get probiotics with this so that your normal vaginal flora, the good bacteria, is not destabilized. Also, staying in the bath and soaking for so long, vagina, as I always say, there's no lid for it. So whatever you soak yourself in, it visits up there. And then it can start causing damage. And then women would want to take away orders by putting soap, by putting in perfumes, and then they make the whole situation worse. You know, it can make the vaginal lips have rash. It can change the color. It's something that women are not quite aware of, that once the area around the vagina starts changing color, there's a problem. At times, women just open their legs and I can tell there's a problem. I'm not seeing a discharge or whatever. I just see discoloration. Once there's a lighter discoloration of the vaginal lips, it means there's a problem because this discharge is busy irritating you the whole time on the panty liner or on the panty itself, and it needs to be treated. So it's very important. There's also treatment for thrush as well. And usually because thrush can be recurring, some women say, look, I get vaginal creams, but it keeps coming back. When I treat a woman who has thrush, I give her something for her partner as well, because males actually also get thrush. He comes and visits and he carries it when you have it. And then you have bleeding after intercourse and itching and all of that. Then you say, okay, stay away from me for a while. I'm going to get myself some treatment. He's busy waiting for you, carrying it. And then you get better. You're like, okay, come on, honey. And the next thing, he brings it back and you're back to square one. When I treat my woman, I give them something for the male as well. Let both of you be treated. At least this helps to reduce the recurrence.
0: Yeah, I love a good young Yeah,
1: (laughs) Dr. Q consider a foam bath written that it has a ph of 4.5 or less i also do like a nice foam bath once in a while especially on very very hectic days and you want to soak look for a foam bath that is ph sensitive that specifies that you know it has an acidic ph which is safe for your JJ goals dr q another expert in women's health actually told me that the girlies
0: can get PMS symptoms before and even after their period. Honestly, this is a really scary business for me. Can you perhaps give us some clarity on PMS? You know, how does one really deal with the mood swings? Do you feel it all and just
1: go with it? What is your advice? Shame, guys. I wish that there was a quick fix, but it all has to do with the hormonal imbalances around that time of the month. Most women go through it. And it's not something that usually lasts throughout your period. As you said, some women go through it actually just before the period, a few days before the period. Once they start bleeding, it goes. And some women, they go through it at the end or during. Mostly if it's during, it's just irritation from the pain and the cramping and the bloating and the sore breasts and the headaches or whatever the side effects are or the associated signs are that women face during the periods. So, most times it's about treating whatever it is that's making you upset. And especially for painful periods, simple things like taking painkillers for those two days or three days can actually help. There are some medications that we give that you take two to three days before your periods and three days during your periods. And they can actually help to reduce the symptoms as well. Unfortunately, it's something that we go through. And it depends how severe it is. And most women, then, if it's not painkillers or what reduces the symptoms just during the time of your period, medication that you take just before your period, then we have hormone replacement medication, which is more like contraception. So some women actually have to go on contraception because contraception is basically hormones. So you take in the hormones and therefore you have less. Symptoms During the time of your periods, your bleeding becomes less painful, your bleeding becomes lighter, uh, your period becomes shorter instead of bleeding for five to seven days, you bleed for three days and that's it. Therefore, that reduces everything. Your skin gets much clearer. You know, some women just take contraceptives, not for preventing pregnancy, but just to have clear skin, believe it or not to treat the acne because that's also hormone associated. So contraception, I think those tablets can be a misnomer to say, yeah, we call them contraception. I would prefer to call them hormone replacement tablets because they don't only prevent pregnancy, but they've got all these other beautiful benefits like clearing your skin, making your hair thicker and all these other things. Um, that women actually benefit from them besides just contraception.
0: Dr. Q, earlier you spoke about um, cervical cancer. In September, we also observed during
1: Cancer Awareness Month.
0: Is there a difference between these two cancers?
1: A woman's reproductive system is made up of different parts. You've got the ovaries, you've got the fallopian tube, you've got the womb, which is the uterus. Then you've got the mouth of the womb, which we call the cervix. Each of those parts can have their own cancer. You can have cancer of just the fallopian tubes. You can have cancer of just the ovaries. You can have cancer of the womb only, which is the lining of the womb, which can also be called endometrial cancer. You can have cancer on the muscle of the womb. If you have fibroids that are cancerous, that's what we call a leiomyosarcoma, but that's usually very rare and mostly found in elderly ladies. And you can have cancer of the cervix, which is then the mouth of the womb. So cancer of the mouth of the womb is separate from cancer of the womb. And cancer of the womb is mostly associated with cancer of the ovary. So those are the ones where you can say a family history. It's mostly related to family history. Breast, ovary, and womb cancer, which is endometrial cancer, are usually associated if you will remember, I think it was Angelina Jolie who had the BRCA gene and her mom had breast cancer and she just went and removed her breast because she didn't want to be at risk. So some women go on and even remove their breasts in advance because they are at high risk so they don't even want to experience that cancer and they go and remove their womb and their ovaries and they'll rather stay on hormones, hormone replacement, than to even experience that cancer. Because, you know, any cancer is really painful to live with it and to die from it.
0: Doc, let's take it back to contraception again. How quickly can you change contraception or what is the time frame that a woman should typically wait before trying a new contraceptive?
1: We don't even recommend that you have a time frame of waiting because that could result in a barbecue sitting in the hay, having unexpected visitors and gifts. Let's say, you know, you're on triphasal and you are on your inactive pill and you want to try something else. One thing I can tell you about triphasal is that it has a very high dosage of estrogen. So lately we recommend, it's got about 35 micrograms of estrogen. So lately we recommend that all contraception that is prescribed should at least have less than 30 micrograms of estrogen. Why? Because then too much estrogen actually ends up with those side effects like you were having as well. And also that's when contraception is also associated with blood clotting illnesses. What I would recommend for you is to get a contraceptive tablet that has a lesser dose of estrogen. We're looking at something like 20 micrograms or even the highest being 30 micrograms. The moment you finish your inactive pill, Straight away, the very next day, as if you were going to start your new pack of triphasal, you start your new pack of the next contraceptive. Because the longer then you wait, then there's a gap. Then your ovulation restarts. You need to be careful. In the meantime, use a condom until your new contraceptive, at least for seven days, whilst you are on your new contraceptive pull, until it kicks in after that, then you can trust it.
0: I think many women have been convinced that pubic hair is a bit unhygienic. Obviously, we shave, we remove hair, we pluck here and there, dog. But this always ends up giving us things like razor bumps and ingrown hairs, of course. How do you deal
1: with this? You will notice that the bumps usually come after shaving. This is because we just cut off the hair and we remove it with the roots of the hair still stuck underneath. Now this root wants to shoot through the skin and then you find that it grows in the opposite direction because when we shave, we just shave and there's no particular pattern. You just want to get rid of the hair. That's it. So this is what now we call ingrown hair where you then start developing pimples. If you would pop that pimple most times, you will see that there is a hair follicle underneath. Some women don't even experience the bumps. They shave and it's all good. But for some women who do, from shaving, then they start using creams. And you find that the creams treat them better. But the creams and the shaving is more or less the same idea because you're just removing from the skin level and not from the root. Then what usually helps helps most women is to actually go and wax the hair off. Then everything else is removed. Then the hair grows thinner and thinner the more that you wax. The hair follicle goes thinner and thinner the more that you wax and you have less and less pimples the longer the duration of your waxing. And then others will go for laser to actually have more long-lasting effects. If you've experienced that you have a lot of pimples after shaving, I tell women that, look, pubic hair is there for a reason. It's just us that go and start trouble with nature. It's not there to be removed completely. Or now your face looks like your pubic area. That's why we mostly find ourselves having pimples and all of that. So rather you just trim the hair. Use the scissors to just trim. And that's it. Make it as short as possible. It's neat. A bush is a bit unhealthy because then you go and wee-wee and it keeps the smell. You know, you don't clean everything off if you have a bush then you become offensive quite quickly. The reason the pubic hair is there is so that it protects you even during sexual intercourse, but it protects you from STIs as well and many other things. So it's there for a reason. The recommendation will be to just trim. And you'll find that if you just trim and you don't interfere with the base of the hair, then you will have less uh, pimples around the area. And those are pimples that are associated with Shaving, but there are others that are associated with sexually transmitted infections or vaginal discharges where you have a rash. Those are the ones that actually really need to go for a medical checkup and don't just ignore, especially the painful ones that you get or when there is pus coming out when you actually pop it. Just go for a check and make sure that all is still good. But most times it's ingrown hair.
0: Dr. Q, I have a question about menopause.
1: Why are menopausal women so moody? Why the mood? So, you know, with uh, menopause, moods is one of them. As I said, as women grow, the eggs that are produced in the ovary become less and less and less, and then this ovary ends up shutting down over time once you reach menopause. The production of the ovary, one of the hormones, which is the main hormone for women, is called estrogen. The ovary release the eggs that are in the ovary, release estrogen in large numbers, in high numbers, and estrogen goes all over the body from your hair to your toes. And I mean everything, it keeps women alive. It's responsible for her sleep patterns, it's responsible for her thinking, for her concentration. It's responsible for her smile, her mood. It's responsible for the health of her bones. It's responsible for her healthy skin. It's responsible for her libido. It's responsible for a healthy vagina. It's responsible for her lubrication during intercourse. It works this hormone. That's why I'm like, it goes everywhere. It's responsible for your healthy heart. That's why it's believed that women live longer than men because men except now for our unhealthy habits as women as well. But before, heart attacks used to be higher in men than in women because estrogen protects the woman's heart and it keeps away the bad fat and increases the good fat in the woman's bloodstream, which then protects the heart. So you see how many things. So now imagine all the good things I mentioned. Imagine now this person is knocked down, is like missing in action. What happens to a woman? All the opposite. Now she can't sleep. Oh, it's even responsible for controlling her temperature. It works in her brain. We call it a thermostat. So estrogen even works on that. So that's why women who are low on this estrogen, who are menopausal now, suddenly they are short-tempered. They are moody. They are angry. They've got poor concentration. They can't sleep at night. If you haven't had a good night's sleep, how can you be all nice and energetic in the morning? Suddenly, they are sweating at night. They are kicking the blankets away in the cold of winter. The husbands are complaining and pulling the blankets. They wake up and have to change their night dresses because they're drenching with sweat. They're not enjoying intercourse because it's dry. I have women who say, yo, it feels like someone was pushing the handle of a broom inside my vagina, you know. It becomes really painful and really sore to such an extent that we need to replace this estrogen. So that's what we call hormone replacement therapy. We replace it if the quality of the woman's life is affected. Once the quality of life is affected, she's in a boardroom, she can't speak straight because she's drenching of sweat. And everybody is cool under the aircons. When she just looks like a fool, then we're like, okay, go, let's get you something. Let's get these replacement hormones on board. If it's affecting relationships because of her mood, she needs to get those hormone replacements on board. And then it also then with the hormone replacement, there's different types. Then you find that there's life. The woman come back and say, hey, Stella got her groove back. It's nice at home. The bedroom is alive and all of that. And then life begins once again because the factory had shut down.
0: Dr. Q, as usual, it is always a pleasure and such a joy to have you join us. If you are looking for more answers to your feminine health woes, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. Now, remember, dear friends, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, I got tissues... And you can send us an email to hello at healthfromzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can send us a WhatsApp on 76 132 I would never blue tick you babes. Not in my nature. Dear woman of Mzanzi, please, itoko bo my sister. A healthy vagina is incredibly important to your physical, mental, and emotional health. And of course, your sexual function. And you deserve to feel great in any and every way. We need to have open and honest conversations amongst ourselves like Dr. Q said there is an urgent need to change the conversation you never know what you might learn from another sister that brings us to the end of episode 61 of sisters without shame proudly brought to you by health from me, from me Lulung have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend